Hello everybody and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Dale Driver and today I'm be I'm in a Matt sandwich. I'm joined with by Matt Perslow. Hello. And the other Matt, Matt Double Jones. Matt. Yeah, Matt sandwich baby. <laughs> that makes me the meat, I guess. Uh, that does suggest that you think I'm bread. <laughs> am, I, am I really as boring as... Or am I a nice bread? It's that I fancy like, bread with yeah, seeds in it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've got a few things to talk about. We've got a main focus today. We're going we're gonna to have a big discussion about remakes. And the reason we're doing that is because we're kicking off first with the Dead Space remake. Now, Matt, me and you, we got to do a whole month of IGN first on it. We got to do some... Really cool stuff, actually. I, like, I, like, ask the audience, like, go check it out because I think there was some really cool stuff there mm-hmm. if you're interested in Dead Space. But you also got to write a preview about Dead Space as well. I did, yeah, because we, both of us, so this is now the preview from both of our perspectives, oh, yeah. um, played, what was it, like seven hours of it? I think yeah, we played like the entire first half of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had as you would say, a bloody good time with it. Uh, it is it is so gory. I think like, yeah. like the gore is substantially increased this time around because it obviously has this new peeling system, which I think is a very, very cool addition to. For a game that is entirely about, like the combat loop is about like dismembering enemies, right? And like pulling them apart. Mm-hmm. For it to have this thing where kind of each time you shoot them, new bits of... Like, it takes the skin off first, and then it takes the fat off, and then you go down to the muscles. And so you're eventually, like, you'll have some of them that are, like, scuttling around that are just skeletons with a little bit of flesh on them. I, and I like, think, like Dead Space, that's... and that sounds utterly disgusting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, like, I love that system, but I did feel slightly disappointed that you don't get to really see it a lot of time because it's constantly fast, frantic action. It's dark. Sure. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to, like, that sounds really morbid, but I wanted to get in there, and I wanted to have a look at it all falling off. Maybe. May- Maybe when um, when you've got a bit more time, when we're not like barreling through it for preview purposes, yeah, maybe sure, you can yeah. have a closer look at like if their eyeballs kind of drop out, yeah. and you can like blast a new socket and stuff like that. But I think like all of that was was really fun and kind of like in the terms of the immediate visual presentation, like that and the fact that it's definitely much darker than the original game was mm. because of this new kind of lighting tech that they've got. Because you know, for anybody that doesn't know, the game. It's not a remaster, it's a complete from-the-ground remake. They've built the entire game in a new engine. Um, it's the Frostbite engine, which has powered like all of the beautiful Battlefield games and stuff like that. So it looks really, really strong. Mm. Um, and beyond that, it is pretty much, for I'd say, about 85% of what we played, the same game. So if you've yeah. played Dead Space before, you probably know kind of like... There'll be certain jump scares. Not that it's a game that's entirely reliant on jump scares, but the, those ones you will probably know are coming. You'll know a lot of the puzzle solutions and stuff like that. Um, but it's definitely the best way. Like it, it feels justified by playing through that. Like you do get a bit of like, okay, like I can see why they remade this. It's nice to play this yeah. in graphics that with lighting that helps aid those scares, with you know animations that help make the necromorphs look gross. I do think, like, like, like you said, it is like a lot of it is beat for beat mm-hmm. the same, right? There is some changes that we, we're not going to go into too much because it'll be spoiling for people. But um, ultimately, yeah, like a lot of the puzzles are the same. But I do think it's been just enough time where that has value. Sure. Because mm-hmm. like, if I hadn't have played through the original for work recently, yeah. I feel like I would have forgotten a lot of that stuff because it's been what is it, fourteen years? Uh, Fifteen uh, years. It'll 15 be in years, October. Yeah. yeah. 
So for a lot of people, they won't have played it for like, you know, over yeah. 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I do think there is a great nostalgia trip to be had with it, but it also feels like a really, really like well-built modern game mm-hmm. as well. Um, I know this might go like counter against some of the points you're going to make later, <laughs> but for me, it was it, it, like scratch that perfect itch so much so that I'm just, we like you said, we played half the game and normally when we do preview events and stuff, I mean, yeah, we're so privileged to get to play these games early, but it does kind of like, you, when you play that game and you get it in your hands, you're like, oh, I've already played this section. I'm going to do this again. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm just so excited to do it again. Like yeah, really excited to do it. Again. It is genuinely very good. And I think it's, it's a huge testament to how good it was in the first place. Like yeah. I always knew that this was like from the moment I played it back into it, like I bought it, I think like within two days of it coming out, I can remember going to game and buying this game um, and re- knowing pretty much like th- this is a real piece of special kind of like mm-hmm. horror um and i think the fact that it is so similar and yet feels still so fresh it's less about the new paint of coat right yeah new coat of paint <laughs> it, I, it, I like I new paint, paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it like so much of what this does and achieves is down to the fact that that original design team knew exactly what they were doing with that game and they had such a strong vision yeah. what i will say is is when you're playing through this, you are thinking like, this actually probably is the better version. And like, it's yeah. not just to do with having lighting that can make the Ishimura feel like a more frightening place, having more disgusting Rekomorphs. I think the small changes that they've made are the the kind of things that help elevate it into, okay, it really does feel special now. Mm-hmm. And part of that is... So I was a little bit hit and miss on whether having Isaac as a speaking character would help the game at all. And I do think kind of like there's something to be said for a silent protagonist that's just miserably suffering through all of that. And I think that is part of the original Dead Space's atmosphere. But they brought Gunnar Wright back who did Isaac's voice and performance in Dead Space 2 and 3. And so kind of like there's this feeling of bits of those future sequels that are in the past um, are being retrofitted into this original game. But it's the philosophy that applies to Isaac that's also applied to everywhere else that I think works. So, for example, I think every character in this has a much better script than they had before. They feel so much more natural and not... There's a sense in the fir- in the original version that there's, they're kind of playing up to tropes. Like there's kind of like the very angry sort of character in Kendra Daniels, who's this woman that you work with, who's thorny and horrible. And she's clearly kind of like the bad cop to your kind of good cop mm. in a sort of way. Um, but she's not that this time. She is much more of a character that I would expect to have had a good working relationship with. And I think that that, without spoiling where the Dead Space story goes, I think that will work better for the arc that it's going to go on. Yeah. I also think, just to go back to your point about the um, about Isaac speaking mm-hmm. as well, um, I'm definitely on board with the idea of silent protagonists when it's somebody like, like when it's a Doom game, for example, mm-hmm. when you, it's not focused on conversations and building relationships. Sure. It, it's like, I don't need to hear them talking all the time. But... For this one, I feel like there's sections of it where it'd work without it. And honestly, he is silent for quite a lot of the mm-hmm. time yeah. anyway. But those conversations, it makes the world a difference when somebody's talking to you and you're actually having a back and forth. It feels like they're actually connected. Mm-hmm. Like whereas previously, like we played the original recently. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like that. Also, I've, I think you, you mentioned as well, like this is going to be the best version. I think it's like 
unquestionably going to be the better version because they've got the benefit of hindsight. They've got the benefit mm-hmm. of budget and technology and um, everything. Like what, what game series or type of genre serves like better it's served better with the benefit of technology improving than horror right i feel like yeah. it's the the ultimate one and um yeah it's, it hasn't it's always worked out actually i'm thinking of how like um they can't quite get silent hill 2 right yet i mean we're actually going to see that soon but well i technology think technology has kind of cancelled out some of the joys of that yeah, well, I think kind of like particularly with the Silent Hill HD remaster, that kind of got fucked for a lot of quality control reasons, right? And sort of like that trying to work within an old engine and they messed the fog up essentially was the big deal with that, right? Which which ruined it. Um, obviously, the new Silent Hill is a massively unknown quantity and there are certain things to be said that old games have a creepy quality. Um, mm. But we are with, certainly with... Um, Dead Space, we're talking about a game that was built at the start of an era that hasn't massively matured over time. When you think about what games were like in the Xbox 360 era, games aren't massively different to what they were. There are there have been substantial changes in like trends and stuff like that, but third-person shooting pretty much worked exactly the same back then as it does now. There's not been a huge leap. But what has been a huge leap is graphical quality. Yeah. And so whilst the old kind of like Resident Evils and Silent Hills have their very creepiness because of the way that they're built. It's less a case for Dead Space, I think, because so much of what was built still works. And so it's the graphical enhancements that I think are being bought. Yeah. Also, they've got, we haven't mentioned it yet, but they've got a thing called the Intensity Director mm-hmm. in that. And like in any other genre of game, that might might not might be a trivial note. But I think for a horror game, it's absolutely like, like an essential piece of technology that they've added to the experience. And now it it create even though these rooms are identical, uh, they are like, in terms of layout, they're exactly the same. But now you never n- quite know what you're going to get because the intensity director has, I think, what did they say? Like 400 different cues. Mm-hmm. And it can just pull random things like lights flickering or like a bang or, or like a vent exploding or all these little cues that can happen completely random and be different on your playthroughs. That also, I believe... They learn from your play style, is that right? Like they do things based on how you're playing? So it assesses kind of like, um, it's looking for curves and like these intensity curves where it understands like it has been a while since you were in a combat scenario. So now we're going to think about putting you into a combat scenario or it's been a while. Like it recognizes where you are and how long it's been and how long it's going to be until there's something really cool going to happen. And it's able to use all of that. And then basically anything that the game designers can furnish a level with the intensity director basically has access to yeah it's amazing and even like even though i knew about this thing before we started playing it it still caught me off guard a few times i remember i i was going back through my footage and there's a good like 30 seconds where i'm just staring at a vent because the vent exploded and i just assumed it was like a um a scripted set piece and there was a monster going to come out of it. And I was just waiting there, pointing my gun at it. And it took me a good like 20 seconds to realize, <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's just a jump scare thing. Mm-hmm. But it, I think because it's such a slave to the original, I think that really helps like, intensify in terms of a horror experience. Yeah, um, yeah it's 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 going to be very exciting. I'm very, I'm very curious to see how the second half of the game goes because um, we did see some slight deviations that we can't really talk about. Yeah, there are some but, that we can and some that we can't, but there there is a level that we played where I think there's more notable changes that we're not allowed to explain what those changes are. Yeah, but that, but that, uh, that was the most exciting stuff for me mm-hmm. because, like, I think 
I, I'm I'm a really big fan of of remakes when they flip the script when yeah. it's like. You know, I always think the classic example I always think of is the original Resident Evil remake of when everyone knows about the scare of the dog dogs jumping through the window, mm-hmm. and on the remake they fake you out on that. Yeah, and I feel like that should that should be the goal for it's all the remakes. Template, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Surprise because you in a way that you aren't expecting to be surprised. I don't. I don't know data here. This is pure anecdotal, but I assume the like the biggest you know purchasers of remakes are usually people who are fans of the original anyway. So why not? lean into that aspect and play on the nostalgia but not be a slave to it and it's fun too because it's a change that doesn't really matter if you don't know what's coming either mm-hmm. like you, yeah. you you get scared sure by a thing that you don't know that's coming either way but yeah you get surprised by a way that you're expecting but it also it treat it does the job of triggering your nostalgia but also surprises you mm-hmm. so it's like the, the double whammy and i'm hopeful there was some moments probably not enough for me but there was some moments like that in the dead space remake and I'm hopeful that the second half will have a lot more of that going forward as well. Um, There's also same. more subtle elements as well, right, in terms of kind of like the the ship itself now isn't a series of levels. Yeah. It's it's actually a ship that all connects. And it does the kind of like, you know, to, to use the cliche kind of like reference point, but it does the Dark Souls thing mm. where quite often the paths that you go lead back to a place that when we were playing over those kind of seven hours, quite frequently it'd bring it back not to the the bridge of the Ishimura, but there's kind of like a central kind of like control station Mm. that I found like, you know, at one point I was like, well, I wonder where that corridor goes because, you know, I literally played the original about three days before we went out to see it. I was like, I'm sure that corridor didn't exist when I was playing it, but, you know, I I haven't committed it to paper memory. Yeah. So I went up and found like it took me back to this control bridge and was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I've been here before, but then carried on with the mission and the mission eventually led all the way back round to that. And it make it felt like in the way that Dark Souls, the original builds itself around Firelink Shrine and all roads lead back to Firelink. This kind of felt that for this chunk of the game, everything led back to this control room. So you felt this sense of this is a place and this is a place where an engineer would probably be coming back to to kind of then reroute through the ship. And so it's got all of that. But then on top of that, there's what's called the um, like clearance system. And I've yet, I don't know how well this is going to work. And I really hope it works well rather than it could be super shit. But basically everywhere you're going, you start to notice that there are doors that you can't get into. And then after you've done a certain amount of the missions, it'll say like, oh, you've now unlocked clearance level two. And any door that was marked clearance level two is now open to you. So essentially you then have to backtrack. And it seems that when you backtrack, you'll be able to find like special upgrades for your guns and stuff like that, like hidden items. Now, this could be super shit. And it's a case of there's now nothing for you to backtrack for other than those items. So it's just a case of, well, I guess I'll go and go through levels that I've already done and pick up stuff. They but had something like this with the power cores in the games, right? Is that still a, a focus of this? So, yeah, you used to be able to use the nodes mm-hmm. to open yeah, doors. They've got rid of that completely. Mm-hmm. And now it, it's, you know, some of these doors that you open, there's a different mechanism for opening the doors. It's, um, oh, what's it called? Like a circuit breaker system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which also has its... So the more we talk about it, actually, the more I'm realising they have changed quite a lot. There's a reasonable like, amount of mechanical changes yeah. rather than... Narr- well, we don't know how many narrative changes there are. There's certainly tweaks and improvements to the narrative, but it, yeah. I, I'm not expecting a Final Fantasy VII remake here. No, but <laughs> there are um, there are plenty of kind of smaller mechanical changes. 
the the experience still feels like 85 to 90 percent the same Mm. but those 10 percent does mean that there's something that makes it even if you are like a a diehard player who has played it through a million times like these are the reasons why you'd want to play this right i don't know if those sort of changes make it enough for someone that's just like, yeah, I, I like Dead Space. I, I kind of think it's cool. I don't know if these are the changes that would f- encourage you to play through again if you're just not that dedicated. But I think if you've never played it or you super fucking love it, kind of like that, those are the two extremes that I think are going to get so yeah. much out of this. I'm so jealous of the people that have never played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, you said you haven't played it, right? I love Dead Space. Oh, sorry. I thought yeah. you said you hadn't played it at the start. Sorry. Um, for people who haven't played it, like I think this is one of the, the best horror games of all time. And, well, I think Dead Space 2 is one of the best horror games of all time, but I think Dead Space is absolutely up there as well. And they've only like improved everything. Um, and if you're not retreading old ground, if it's a first-time experience for you, this is like, yeah, you need to play this game. <laughs> like, Something yeah, I really want to know, uh, you might not even be able to tell me this because it's quite specific, is there still a trophy or an achievement for finishing the game by just using the plasma cutter? Uh, we don't, but I almost guarantee you that yeah. will be there. I it, realized during this conversation that I like I've only played Dead Space once, and I did that. Yeah. So the whole game, I didn't engage mm-hmm. with any of the rest of the weapons. I just well, you, yeah. you absolutely want to use uh, as mm-hmm. much as that. You know, it's a, a a nice nostalgia trip to maybe try and do that trophy again. Um, I think the changes to the weapons in this are super smart changes. Like, yeah. I think in the first game, there's only so much kind of like value in some of the secondary abilities that they put on the weapons. And I think they are so smartly redesigned in this. There's there's a gun called the Force Gun that in the original kind of like is a pushback weapon. Like it blasts them backwards, so it gives you a bit of space. I think it will kill them, but it does feel like it's mostly yeah. a get them out the way kind of weapon. And I quite honestly, I can't remember what its secondary ability did. I think it might have dropped a mine or something like that. Didn't it? Oh, no, I'm thinking of the the machine gun when it fired up into the air and yeah, the scattered. Ma- the yeah. machine gun kind of does like a 360 kind of like yeah. uh, thing. But the force gun now, when you fire it, it rips all the layers off them. So once you've like shot them twice, there's nothing left of them. But also its secondary fire opens like a singularity that sucks everyone in this is ratchet and clank now yeah (laughs) Yeah. kind of yeah but then you almost certainly then have whatever your other weapon equipped is will be something that can launch like a grenade into there or set a trap that you then pull people onto it with the singularity there's much more of that kind of the weapons have interlinking qualities Mm -hmm. and that's what i really look for in a in a combat design yeah, it's like uh, someone played with Zarya for a bit in mm-hmm. Overwatch, right? Yeah. And then saw the possibilities <laughs> of what he can do. But um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like the weapons, like I I often play Dead Space games when I replayed them. Actually, I played it with pretty much just the plasma cutter because although it sounds like a daunting task, it's actually quite easy mm-hmm. like that because the ammo drops adjust to what weapons you have. Yeah. So you have non-stop ammo for it, and you upgrade it to the maximum. It's quite easy actually. Uh, but this time, definitely, you want to try and play with all the weapons. I spent so much more time playing with the Ripsaw this time mm-hmm. than I did previously. I never really bothered with it, but something is... I think maybe it's the peeling system. Maybe it was that that lured me in. I just really wanted to just grind these uh, yeah. necromorphs up with the saw. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying. Um, I'm so excited to play again. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, it's really good. It. The other thing I will say as well is that I think they've done a really good job of recognising what bits were weak in the original and where they're weak, just completely wholesale replacing them. 
the ADS cannon repair job, I think, is crap in the original. Like, I, yeah. the, I think the controls are bad. I think, like, it's not the most exciting. as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the replacement for it if you want to know what that is it's in the preview but maybe i won't say it here for anybody that's trying to go in a little bit more thingy but i think they've done a real good replacement for it and it feels so tense and it's so of a thing that just wasn't possible in the original dead space something that's probably worth mentioning that people might not remember because if for them dead space one two and maybe three are a bit of a blur Mm -hmm. is that also um now you can actually ha- you have full maneuverability when you're in zero g, yeah. which actually doesn't exist in the first Dead Space. You only you're magnetized to an area and you have to f- pinpoint target and fly to mm-hmm. another area. That makes a world of difference for several sequences as yeah. well. Like it really raises the game. Mm. And also, they add like, in new like reveals where it's kind of there's a bit where you get to float in zero g to do a section that's just not in the original game. That's true. And yeah. it's just cool to have that like there's an eeriness to just floating in space, right? Mm-hmm. And they do that very well. I'm also getting ahead of myself here, but I'm so excited to see. I'm assuming they're going to get to make Dead Space 2 remake. Fingers crossed. So excited, yeah, so excited to see that because that is, like I played that last year and I decided that I think that is my favourite horror game of all mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like, it's up there for me, definitely. It, it's, it's incredible. And um, to to think what they could do with that, with this technology as well, it's, it's very exciting. It's so much you, of a bigger game too, right? Like in quite all regards, mm-hmm. it was a really massive step forward. So like, uh, I, yeah, I, yeah there, was, there was clearly a alien to aliens kind of vibe mm-hmm. going on there, right? It's like, you know, the, yeah. the first game is set on the ship is about kind of trying to escape this ship that's, you know, full of horrors. Whereas kind of like Dead Space 2, very much the colony sort of vibe and, yeah. and all of that, like, an obvious direction, but a very good one. Yeah. I don't know how to segue, so I'm just going to say, Matt, you, you went like to scary see Megan. horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have said horror <laughs> connection here. Uh, Matt, you saw Megan last night. Yeah, I did. Is it pronounced Megan or do we say Me Freegan? I've, I've been saying Mithrigan only because it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also they've uh, they've just announced a sequel to it, which I I hoped would be called Mithorgan, but it's uh, it's just <laughs> Mithrigan too, unfortunately. Uh, what do you two know about Megan? I know, I've seen tiny little um, maybe thumbnail images and stuff, and I get the vibe that it's like a Chucky film, but she's a robot. She's like a creepy doll. Yeah, how about yeah. you, Matt? You were, any... uh, so I know that James Wan is involved. Is it like mm. the production team? Is this the malignant folks? Uh, I believe so. Because it's, it's, like, it's a Blumhouse production, and I think James Wan is credited as helping to write it. Mm-hmm. So he's in the... like the writing team for it if it has the same vibe as malignant which is a Great. sort of dreadful <laughs> film that is amazing to watch yeah um i saw it only recently it. and it's it's bloody brilliant mm-hmm. it's just very good um so megan is like i was really surprised by like how genuinely like thought-provoking it is it is a like it's a silly slasher movie about a, a robot doll yeah. um but it's actually about um the 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 current idea of what parenting is okay. it's it's about the concept of just having an ipad baby it's um <laughs> tamagotchi yeah pretty much <laughs> um but it's also about the idea of um like automated cars as well like what do we really know about the technology that we produce by only putting inputs into it and not really understanding how it works? Like, it's can like we that, actually trust that that has our best interests at heart? It's like that Boston Dynamics robot the other day. Did you see that video the other day doing like somersaults and flips? I loved and stuff. your uh, comment about it. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's also like when you watch that in action, it makes it 
it made the concept of like AI and stuff really scary to me as well because of the insane decisions it makes to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, it makes you terrified about like, well, if they're just making these like mad decisions, but is that based on logic or is that like, what is driving those things? And like, yeah, Terminator is basically coming is what I'm saying. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Like that does, it's a real anxiety for me that that, like if you don't understand what the inputs are, how are you ever going to understand what the output is? And like Megan's logic through the film consistently changes based on events that happen. She like has a weird perverse understanding of like how the world works as a consequence. I really don't want to spoil that much, but it's it's very good. So she's, she's not... She's not just like a doll. She's an she's an AI. She's, she's an like, AI, yeah. She's and she like learns a... as she goes and develop, and like decides clearly decides at one point that humans don't deserve to live. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um the the thing about it that really struck me though is that it's about it has this thread of if you try and remove all of the like the struggles of parenting, what is there left to do in your relationship with your kid? Like, if you're not actually trying to raise them all and you're just trying to keep them occupied so that they're, like, you know, not bothering you, there isn't a relationship there. There, That is, like, what was the point of having the kid, if that's the case? It's actually really compelling about that. So is Megan a doll for a child, or is it... Yeah, she's for a child, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. When you were saying that, I was was like, is it for parents who can't have a kid or something, learning to mm-hmm. raise a kid i don't want to give away too many details oh, sorry like, yeah. just, i just want to know tell me this plot tell me what the entire I, plot. what i really <laughs> wanted to do was to give people a, a feeling that if you were like if you've seen this you know like oh silly robot doll movie i'm like it's actually like kind of quite a few layers to this that are deliberate and really worth digging into as a as a like surface level horror movie though, is it a good time? In that yeah. Regards? Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. Honestly, it's very funny too. That like, there's just it's an all round romp. Go check it out. Go think about it a little bit afterwards. Is it, it, it? It's an immediate like get out of the theater and go to a pub and talk about it movie. Is it like because I saw it's been massively successful? They've already mm-hmm. commissioned a sequel. Do we worry that it's going to be? Uh, the new franchise that we've got eight of them in a I row. hope like so every every really do you hope so something I really like as well uh, I, I know that this isn't a popular opinion but when horror movies like go down the like a, a thousand sequels route and they yeah. progressively get worse I prefer that to them being better every time I want them to get schlocky and gross and have absolutely do nothing you, do you yeah. really did I you really... watch the last saw so what? I actually haven't seen Spiral no but I it's loved it's fucking tragic watch it <laughs> I loved um, oh, I can admit this I like every year because I was too young to go to the theatres when Saw was coming out so every year I would get like a ripped like camera copy every Halloween <laughs> okay. so I'd just like download that from the internet and I'd be watching the worst possible version of it so bad plots can't see what's happening and like that that's <laughs> as far as i'm concerned how you watch those movies i <laughs> i was watching saw films way too late into that series like mm. i knew after like three it wasn't good anymore but i just kept watching because they've they've got the thing that a lot of these horror sequels you know in the 80s and stuff when they used to do horror sequels it would just be like here's just a new excuse for freddy to kill people right mm-hmm. whereas the saw ones they actually tried to maintain this twisty story that's exactly. always connected back to the first one. <laughs> it's so good. Always it changes back to the first one. It's nonsense, but it was actually quite impressive sometimes how they'd managed to 
make you look at the first one in a different way again and again and again. I just, I think that Saw Five doesn't get enough credit for being a compelling argument about the uh, the perils of the modern healthcare system, the for profit <laughs> motive for healthcare. Which one was the three D one? That's I think three. Yeah, was that three? I thought it was after that, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Three would make sense, mm. right? Uh, but yeah, like. They said Spiral was just so bad. Don't, don't, don't watch that film. Don't watch yeah, I haven't rushed. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. You never know. We might be, a couple of years' time, we might be talking about Megan. Yeah. Oh, they keep making M- Aitken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always like shoehorning the number in there. Yeah. Wait, isn't it? Isn't the sequel just going to be called uh, Megan 2.0? Yeah, I know. It sucks. It's so boring. And what do you do for Megan 3? It's already got a 3 in it. Yeah, that's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, go see Megan. It's a it's a great. I mean, I'm, it's very easy to say it's the best movie I've seen yeah. this year because I've I think it's only seen that one. I also think it's fair to say in ten years' time, when the Megan franchise has died on its ass, they will eventually try and remake Megan mm. for a new audience. And speaking of remakes, see, I did it this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is kicked off by the Dead Space remake. Uh, Matt, you have written a superb article. Is that live today on IGN? Uh, it should be, provided we don't have any technical issues. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe look out for it over the weekend mm-hmm. on IGN. Matt has written an article about... Uh, well, do you explain it. Right. So, so yeah, um, we're in an era of remakes, and it is very understandable for, for many reasons. AAA gaming is very, very expensive these days. Uh, and sometimes you need to raise some money, and remakes are a sensible way let's say to do this which is that kind of like um i can't remember one of you out there sent me an email well sent us an email to feedback quite some time ago which was when i think i'd criticized the idea of the last of us part one in that like i just couldn't understand what the point of it was Mm -hmm. and someone who works in the games industry i can't remember who you are but sent a really really interesting thing which had some stuff that i did know but really opened my eyes to the struggle of of raising money and why remakes are actually a good and interesting way to do this because you've got all your characters are pre-made like you've got a pre-built audience quite often like for the last of us part one they made it in the engine of the last of us part two so everybody that was on staff knew how that engine worked like there's so many costs that you cut out by making a remake and because you've got this pre-built audience that you know pop culture is in a state of like everything's got to be nostalgic at the moment right they're always looking for things they know have inbuilt audiences this helps generate money which ultimately can go towards a more ambitious more interesting project so it's like whatever naughty dog are working on now which presumably is going to be wild and interesting and out there is funded partially by the success of the part one remake yeah but my argument is that I think the best remakes are the ones that, as you were saying, go off script. And when I think kind of like of the way that movie remakes are done, that's where there's so much more of a change. Like The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, is the same concept of the original 1950s The Thing, but it is such a different film. And it is, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, a lot better. Um, And then, you know, films like kind of A Fistful of Dollars and kind of The Departed, they all take... The original story and new directors and new creatives recontextualize it right and so that's kind of like what i'm looking for in a video game remake and i think we're at a point where we're starting to see two branches you have the ones that are identical to the original game but have new graphics which is stuff like shadow of the colossus uh, the demon souls remake and uh, the last of us part one 
basically Sony's kind of approach yeah. at the moment. <laughs> and then you have, um, it almost seems like largely a Japanese initiative, but Resident Evil 2 and 3, obviously those remakes are vastly different to their original yeah. versions. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 remake, vastly different. You know, whole new storylines, whole new mechanics, a real unique sort of spin on what those games were. And those are the ones I find more interesting. So kind of Dead Space is not slammed down the middle. It's closer to the kind of HD clone, um, but does at least have changes that make things interesting. I was, I was definitely, well, after reading your article, mm-hmm. I, was, I was in agreement with a lot of it. But the Dead Space thing, the more we've spoken about it today, the more I think, oh, they actually are doing like a significant amount. I think the problem is, like you mentioned the movie situation. Mm-hmm. When it, Maybe I'm wrong here, but has that done, been done in the last 20 years successfully? Because I feel like it hasn't. I feel like just because it's those not are... been done successfully recently doesn't mean that so, it can't be a success. Sure, but my point is going to be, so a lot of those examples you're talking about, mm-hmm. like films from 50s or something, and then remade in the 80s or something. But we have such a connection to the audience these days that you feel like inherently you get, if you change things, you get backlash. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like that's the first response. And that's why I don't know if movies could maybe get away with doing it anymore i mean you have to make it spectacularly good and then you have yeah. you need people mm-hmm. to fight for you right like the last of us for example is getting like rave reviews as a tv show right now but there was inherent backlash when that stuff first got announced as well like you, you you're fighting through that but, so i think it means people default towards the dead space thing where it's like we have to make this mm-hmm. look the same yeah but that's a problem isn't it like that Absolutely. sucks yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, how do they solve that? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah, while, while fucking people need to stop being fucking babies, basically. Yeah. Um, like, you know, kind of like being caught in an iron grip of nostalgia is no good for creativity. Like, we all know that mm-hmm. as people that yeah. do creative jobs for a living. Um, and maybe it's just a phase that we're going through where, like, you know, we're looking for safe bets and audiences are more protective than they've ever been over sure. their stuff, right? Well, they're, they're more vocal about being protective because mm-hmm. they can be more vocal. Yeah. We can, they can get that message a, to us. Do you think this is a consequence of maybe the Star Wars prequels, right? Like taking a thing that you think that you love and l- making it something that wasn't to everybody's tastes at the time? Do you think that that's like a, a necessary... Mm. Maybe not because they weren't really remakes, and also, um, well, I, I they, mean they the, suck like, as films as yeah. well. <laughs> They're like, not good. I think it's the like world that they have that they just decided to do something strange with. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I sure and like maybe this is kind of a thesis that I'm developing on the fly here. But they <laughs> happened around the time as internet message boards. I think the culture for that kind of understanding of what you do with a property was kind of built from that understanding yeah and i think we've just like decided our language from that yeah there's that there's that immediate response these days that is is hard to navigate when you're trying to make a commercial product right and like sometimes it can work out for the best like with the sonic movie for example um but it 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 makes things different like changing existing like taking an existing story like what if they said we want to remake back to the future right but they what they said oh, but what we want to do is change things around and move things slightly the backlash would be insane and you like i don't even know if they'd ever be able to get to the point where they release that new idea that they have because people would reject it on face value 
But um, is it idiots on internet message boards or, you know, I say idiots, people with valid opinions on internet message boards but being so loud that because we all know that almost certainly way more people would have liked the Star Wars sequels than the internet would suggest. Those Star yeah. Wars sequels were massive successes and also mm-hmm. sold hugely well on, on home media. Sure. Like the, there are a lot more people that probably enjoy these things that don't. I, I agree. Um, but then, like like the sonic thing is an mm-hmm. example of well there's a lot of power being wielded by the perception like look at the um the morbius thing where like they like the audio the the internet managed to trick sony into re-releasing that film because they thought because the, the power of the internet voice yeah. is what mm-hmm. i'm saying um i don't know we've sort of got off tangent yeah we are just we're talking about <laughs> yeah. just an interesting how discussion. does it all work what yeah. why do people care <laughs> about things but i think you know to to go back to games i think del you would agree that kind of like the the um i think resident evil 2 is probably the gold standard as to what a yes. remake uh, can and should be um which obviously is both recognizably resident evil 2 but is also very very different to that original game absolutely um, and what it does is it's not just about it's not necessarily like you know I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is very interesting for different reasons that I think Resi 2 is. But Resi 2 is faithful to to the original game in in all the right ways, but also recognises that the old game is old. And kind of like, well, we're going to make it modern mechanically. We're going to surprise people with Mr. X. Like, I think all of the changes that Resi 2 makes are such good changes that doesn't prevent it from being faithful, but is a new creative vision. And that is what I would like yeah. out of Remix because it honours the fans. It honours the things that will keep it profitable and keep it like nostalgic, but is a very fresh experience. So like, um, I think Resident Evil 2, yeah, it, like you said, is a prime example, but I think the main reason it almost feels like it stumbled onto that was because of the because of the huge technological leap required. Mm-hmm. Like, because the, the original was so old, whereas like Dead Space, for example... You don't necessarily need that huge leap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so then it's about the commitment to the idea of changing things or not. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, yeah, the Resident Evil one absolutely required. And then you saw with Resident Evil 3 where they kind of slipped up a bit on that path and went for more sort of the cash grab mm-hmm. route, which was a shame. But yes, gold standard, like you said. What we're thinking, what we want to do today, though, is come up with some ideas of our own of, that thing, of games that we'd like to see remade and like why we'd like to see them remade i think is the important not just because you know for these big corporations the usual reason is we want to make more money like Mm -hmm. i said and that can have positive implications like you said but we want to from an artistic point of view like why do we want to see these things remade i am slightly annoyed matt because i wrote mine yesterday and then i read your article and i was like you bastard is it bioshock (laughs) yeah it's Bioshock. because i was going to talk about bioshock now (laughs) so yeah let's do let's do bioshock Mm -hmm. yeah let's go for it um so my idea is that um so I keep a lot I would I wouldn't do it as beholden to the original script as the Dead Space remake is but I'd mm-hmm. be in that kind of like middle range where it's not it's not a kind of like a, a complete reinvention it's not like thing 1950 to to John Carpenter's the thing um but I I'd, I'd really love a version of Rapture where the combat is sharpened up like yes. I think these days but what I wouldn't do is retrofit Bioshock Infinite's combat in. Bioshock Infinite has a very, very fast, almost Doom-like approach to its combat. I think that Bioshock needs a slower, kind of heavier, much more horror-inflected combat scenarios than what Infinite eventually does. 
But the thing I really like to play around with is the meta side of Bioshock is very much about player control and your control. And it's it's kind of this meta-analysis of ultimately Bioshock is a game where you do exactly what you get told and you get fucked over for it because you did exactly what you were told by the man in a game who always tells you where to go and you followed all the waypoints. Yeah, I'd love way more in that game that almost like Stanley parabled it in that kind of like if you start going off path the game serves you with stuff off path and gives you earlier indicators of the fact that there's more going on like than it. what this it Atlas be, guy uh, is telling you. It'd be very funny if, you know, the first command that you get is to pick up a wrench or something. Mm-hmm. What if you pick up a golf club instead, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And you have that the rest of the game. There's no other like change. It mm-hmm. is just you haven't you you've broken the core tenant of what they expected from you yeah but what there's a i've had this thing in my head for like like going on a year or two now where i would just love the bit because obviously you know these games are largely you know made with the idea of like we're appealing to the nostalgia of these people i'd love for you to get sorry i'm about to spoil bioshock for anybody that hasn't played a game (laughs) that's been out for like what 15 years 16 16 years years, yeah (laughs) um you obviously get told by Atlas to kill Andrew Ryan and you smack him over there. I would fucking love that scene to have Andrew Ryan just thrust out his hand and grab the golf club. Yes. And you and you stop that moment from happening. And then the entire last stretch of the game is completely different. You which means allies. that we don't have to have the terrible Atlas kind yes. of fight at the end <laughs> with the big blue Dr. Manhattan. You would have something that felt right for Bioshock. Like, I think it needs a immersive simi style finale that allows you to make lots of choices the other thing i do is there'll be a way more choice in how you could build your version of jack jack is the main character isn't it in that one yeah i'd have way more choice like there'd be way more plasmids and you'd be able to calibrate the plasmids between various different versions to allow like a slightly more stealthy or a slightly more kind of action approach yeah i love that um um, to add to that my my surface level thoughts were um, obviously, like uh, technology has improved. Mm-hmm. Like Rapture is, is like one of the best gaming locations of all time, and I would love to. See, I would love them to just literally scrap everything they have already, and with modern technology and like modern abilities, rebuild their a new version of Rapture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, you 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 come down to Rapture. It's an underwater sea. Andrew Ryan's there. Everything else up for change. No, I'd I'd love to see what sort of apart from the themes, obviously, um, and. Just think about how incredible an underwater city could look with today's technology yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I also think that they, they did had a little bit of this in Bioshock 2, obviously, where you can go out of Rapture mm. onto the seafloor. Yeah. And obviously that then, like the 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 slightly better version of that then gets done in Prey, where you can come out of the space station and see the station from the outside and rotate around it. I'd love the idea of like, well, Jack can just get in a diver suit and he can go outside of Rapture and you can bypass certain sections yes. and find your way around Rapture uh, in uh, your own way. Basically an open world game, right? Yeah, Instead yeah. of like linear hallways, you've actually mm-hmm. got an open, like I need to get to Fort Frolic or whatever, but I can I can go through all the tunnels or mm-hmm. I can go this way yeah. instead. Yeah. I, think, I think there's so much potential for a Bioshock remake. Yeah, oh, I'd love it. Um, I mean, hopefully we'll get we'll get some news about Bioshock this year or mm-hmm. something because obviously there's lots of rumors about 2K working on a new one. I suspect it will just be a new one in the series, a new location. But I would love them to go back and redo this. Yeah. Um, Matt, what have you got? So I think that we're overdue for a remake of the original Pokemon. Okay. Mm. So something I think that like 
most people have a nostalgia for that like first 151 like they don't really care about the rest of them they'd love an opportunity to go back and inhabit that world but the problem is you need that sense of possibility and wonder that you thought you had as a kid right the whole world is open to you you can go to these different towns you don't even know what like little monsters there are there's weird rules that you don't know anything about yet like oh you can't go in the long grass because something will get you like it as a kid it sort of just fired imaginative things in my brain but now going back you know i just see the lines of code and you know little drawings <laughs> so i think you'd have to find a way to graphically input people in this game by doing this in vr like okay. a, a pokemon <laughs> vr experience but it's just Ooh. the original game I don't know about the VR aspect mm -hmm. of it. Uh, it lost me there. I mean, I, I haven't played the original, so I have no great attachment to them. But, you know, Pokemon is such a mainstream brand, I think. To be fair, if you want to sell VR headsets, yeah. making a Pokemon VR game is probably a good way of doing it. Um, Chuck a ball with the little, with the things. That's yeah. pretty good. You got, there's, that's a great example of like the Resident Evil 2 thing where the, the technology leap is like so much more substantial than Bioshock or, or Dead Space is that like you can justify making all sorts of changes mm -hmm. i don't think you get a massive amount of pushback on that as well um oh that would sell maybe not mm -hmm. a vr version but that would sell <laughs> so much regardless of what you did but like obviously to a certain extent pokemon is remade every time they do a new generation right because it nintendo it's a thing that mario and zelda does right like they're almost mm -hmm. kind of like the same game to a certain extent like the same philosophies but i do think that there's something in that like going back to johto's that region isn't it the original one kanto. oh is it kanto i can't mm. actually remember sorry but like that original region with those characters that you've got nostalgia for but as you say like that element of discovery that kind of almost it's not the same as the zelda breath of the wild discovery is it it's, it's like a different form of working your way around a world but the idea of just kind of like a Pokemon that really reinvents itself with the same DNA that it started with. Because it does feel like whilst Pokemon is one of the biggest things of all time and still sells super well, like no one's quite happy in that bracket that you'd be appealing to, is it? Like these people want a Pokemon that actually looks like it was developed on more than Finally, like 50 quid note. a Pokemon for 30-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's kind of like, ultimately, we have technically all grown out of Pokemon and a lot of people grumble because Pokemon is a kid's game and it should be children's first RPGs. So it should be that kind of accessibility level. But making a remake that directly appeals to a bunch of millennials, mm -hmm. I, I can danger, see like danger zone actually. Yeah. Kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, like the thing that really it exposes to me that the thing that you want from a remake is not to have necessarily graphical improvements. You just want to have the same feeling you had that mm -hmm. first time, and that needs to come with improvement. Yeah, that was the kind of thing where, like, you know, as much as you know, I know that I am the, a, a bigger fan of Seven Remake than you are, Dale. Um, mm -hmm. But like beyond just the graphics, for me, it was the sense of exploration and the sense of these are places I kind of know, but I'm seeing new sides to characters and I'm seeing new sides to a story The like that is the ultimate like you are playing a remake and you know it, but you also don't know anything about it. And yeah. I think trying to capture that in a remake is the essence that I'm always looking for.
I, I mean, to be clear, like, I do love a lot mm-hmm. about the Final Fantasy VII remake. It's the ending stuff I hate yeah. and, like, what that means for the future. It's funny, that, um, I've come around to it. I really didn't like really? it when I first did. And now the idea of, like, I have no idea what's happening in that next game. Yeah. And suddenly that's it. Like, I know there are going to be characters in it. I know they're going to go to places. I have no idea how any of that's going to go down. I don't think it's ever going to replace the original game for me because I have such fondness for Seven. Yeah, sure. And I think that the original Seven is actually written in a more interesting, mature manner than the new version is. Mm-hmm. But because I don't care about the the fate sort of stuff, which I know is uh, as you know from Kingdom Hearts is an obsession. You know that kind of like the way that the life goes down. Yeah. But it's great to know that I've got a version of Final Fantasy Seven that I have no fucking clue what's going to happen in it. I guess, um, like, it's probably the thing I was criticising people for doing earlier, but the um, the, the thing that I've, I've dreamt as a kid, I dreamt of the idea of seeing some of those situations in these fully realised like, mm-hmm. 3D worlds. And um, I think that's the disappointment that I won't get to see that. But I might. You might just be remixes of it yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, like... I'm just cautious about <laughs> uh, like whether I'm going to like it or not mm-hmm. because I just think it, it was getting a bit silly. and Understandably like so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, one that I've got written down is, is I've written down Metal Gear, but I'm not talking about Metal Gear Solid, which honestly will probably happen at some point in the next 10 years. I'll probably end up doing a Metal Gear Solid remake. Before Kojima left Konami, like for me, I was convinced that he was going to his next game Metal Gear-wise, was going to be a remake of the original Metal Gear, the MSX game. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because the end of Metal Gear Solid Five sort of ties it all together, pulls the story together. And it's something, I know it's probably unlikely, but it's something I would still love to see because I know the f- story of the first Metal Gear game and I've seen lots of gameplay of it, but that is such a dated... Zanzibar land. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a dated, in terms of not just like the storytelling, but also like the visual presentation and the gameplay mechanics that I would love to see what a version of that with like the Fox engine Mm -hmm. would look like. And I also feel like those two first games, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, they are such actual and essential part of the storytelling. Like Metal Gear Solid comes off, assuming you know all that stuff already. Mm -hmm. Like he definitely didn't do a reboot there. And I would just love to see a proper version of that story told and a new modern take of it. Um, It's a a dream that I've had for a while and I think I'll never get, but... See, this yeah. is largely why, like, the, the interest... Like, I know that I've just spent a while explaining how I'd like to see Bioshock remade, but the remakes that largely interest me are PS1 and earlier. Yeah. It's a bit, in the same way that kind of, like, Doom 2016 is sort of a remake of the original Doom, right? Yeah. And it's fucking phenomenal because you're finally kind of, like, getting a really cool realised retake on what that original idea for Doom was. It doesn't try and turn it into a survival horror. It doesn't try to do anything weird about it. It's just mm. the essence of Doom with modern sensibilities. Yeah. Same for RE2, same for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that's why, like, that kind of, like, you know, Metal Gear Solid Remake or the Metal Gear Games Remake, those are the sort of things that interest me way more than a remake of something that came out yeah. when I was at uni. I think I think the expectations are different from the audience as well, mm-hmm. right? Whereas when it's Dead Space, you're like, well, I want it to be the same as what I liked. Whereas when it's like that, it's like, well, you understand, obviously it cannot be the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, the brakes are off. Like, you, you know, like, go crazy with it. As long as Solid Snake's in it and he's fighting Big Boss and there's a Metal Gear. Make it a roguelike, who cares? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. <laughs> but everything else is, is, up for, is up for, like, change, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's just something I'd love to see because I, I really... Like I like 
for all its sins, I really like the Metal Gear story, like the yeah. overarching story for all of the games. And I would just, one day I would love to be able to play for all the games and not have to suffer through two very old, not fun experience games in there. I always took the um, Metal Gear Solid, like the world existing before it and kind of an escape from New York way, where like Escape from New York always gave you the impression that Snake, uh, Pliskin, was yeah. like a character that had existed in the world. Like characters sure. are always referencing stuff that he'd done beforehand. And I always talk, uh, took the like Metal Gear Solid story as that, like them fleshing out a world that is larger than the one that you get to see. So yeah. it didn't really bother me that I didn't understand any of it. It felt like it was just a cooler world that you were getting but a glimpse into. With the Pliskin situation, though, those films didn't exist. Yeah, sure. <laughs> These games actually exist. I remember when I first got obsessed with Metal Gear Solid, the first thing I did was start reading about it, finding everything I could. And then I hear, oh, there's these two games that you never even knew about, never played. And at the time, I couldn't get access to play them. And it it felt me, like, filled me with a lot of frustration. You're not importing an MSX? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've played them these days, but not, well, have I played them? I played them for about 10, 20 minutes and like, yeah, I don't want to play this. I'll just read the Wikipedia. So I would just love to see like a proper realised version of it. And I'm, like I said, still convinced he was going to do that before everything went down with Konami. I'll never know, but... Maybe one day I might get to speak to him yeah. and ask him. So that yeah. question one that you ask, Kojima? Absolutely. That would be question one I'd ask. <laughs> um, I'd ask about the goodbye sausage. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what that means. It's a tweet he'd done where he just posted a picture of a sausage and said goodbye sausage. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, what, what else have you got? Matt Perslow. What, in terms of remakes? Yeah. Um, that's all I, I prepared. I did speak about oh. the idea of um, God of War, though, in the... Um, that's true. The, yeah. Which is a conversation we had over our Christmas party, which mm-hmm. I actually think that like, you had mentioned when we did our God of War spoiler cast, but the idea yes. of those, the original PlayStation 2 games um, being remade, but in the guise of a third-person hack-and-slash like what the Norse saga is... Yeah. which obviously means that you want to do all the same bosses, you want to do all of the same areas, but that, you know, re- it, it being filtered through the language of God of War and God of War Ragnarok would be a very different experience with the same story. And I just also think that the writing team now has kind of retroactively turned Kratos's rage into something quite different. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of playing a couple of games where that rage is distinctly a bad quality that he has. And you know now that that's going to be an arc that they're taking on. Yeah. Knowing that he's going to recover from that at one point. But I think like having it as like all the horrible fucking things he does in those games, like having it from a lens that recognizes that this is horrible rather than cool shit for good boys. Yeah. It's less of a less extreme version of the Metal Gear thing, right? Where it's this idea that there's probably a lot of people who played 2018's God of War Mm-hmm. The f- that's the first God of War they ever played, mainly because you know the, there's on the box cover there's no implication that this is a sequel or yeah. anything. And um, but then we know now from Ragnarok that the, all these Greece games are like canon; they're all mm-hmm. tied in. So it'd be great to see them, like yeah, going back to see them, seeing the modern version of all these giant Greek gods, but also yeah, like it's a completely different place. Um, yeah. So that's where the value is. They don't necessarily have to change the story beats or the who you fight and whatever. Mm-hmm. They can literally just technology technology wise improve it and also like the game the core gameplay changes and also it's a license to print money if they do that like (laughs) whether they want to artistically do that that's Mm -hmm. that's up for a debate but i feel like you're leaving money on the table if you don't do that to be honest (laughs) um 
Matt, did you have another one? Yeah, James? but it is much less high-minded. <laughs> there's no, there's no scope for this one other okay. than uh, I tried to play Hearthstone again fairly recently, and it's too complicated now. So can we just <laughs> can we scale scale it back? Can I just have monsters I put on the field again? Just give me the original. Maybe they make the graphics this. a little better. I don't they did want that with Warcraft, right? Like yeah, they yeah. just released like the original version of it after mm-hmm. a while. I just want to play with the original Hearthstone decks, you know. Charge, <laughs> charge me fifty quid for it still, but let me play with all the old cards in a just a nice, like, better graphic mode. Nice. Okay. Better, do you need better graphics in Hearthstone? They're kind of gross at this point, honestly. Uh, they're they're okay. made for a very small scale. The resolution on all the cards really, really gross. Do you know, like, I don't know if you listened to the, um, I think it was the Alternative Game Awards episode, but Emma, like, went on for about 20 minutes, about Hearthstone at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Well, she proper loves it, and I didn't, I had no idea. I really used to back in the day. I used to play yeah. it probably every night, and now, like, I haven't played it in years. Mm, okay. Uh, so, the last one I had, which is very much, I don't have much to offer beyond the, I just want to see Resident Evil 2 style jumps again and i feel like capcom have got another one sitting in the palm of their hand and that is dino crisis yeah because by all essential purposes dino crisis is naff right where is it but, I, every year that goes yeah. past without a dino crisis remake is like it's, it's it's a resident evil game with dinosaurs that's all you need literally just take those elements and what are you doing do making exo primal capcom <laughs> yeah. dino yeah. crisis I mean, look, look how popular, like, there is a lot of attachment with the Resident Evil fan base for Dino Christ as well, because, uh, you know, of the similarities. Like, I believe they were developed by the same team, I imagine so, like, at the time. Um, there's a there's a lot of connection there. I feel like they could ride the wave of Resident Evil remakes with something like Dino Crisis. Also, Code Veronica, where the hell's that as well? That's, um, that's gonna, they'll do that. Yeah, but I feel like those are, I don't know if you've seen what Dino Crisis looks like recently, but those dinosaurs <laughs> don't look good. But I'm just thinking what they could look like today. And it could be like, they could do something cool there. Like re- just completely redo the script. Just have a Resident Evil style game, but it's dinosaurs. Done. I'll be up we all agree. It. We all agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very little to add there. I want it. <laughs> okay, cool. Not before um, the Co-Veronica. I want Co-Veronica first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me that first, to be fair, yeah. Do you know, like... And do you know what they need to fix in Co-Veronica? There's, um, there is the ability to get to like the final boss and not have enough ammo and not have enough weapons. And my original save on my Dreamcast got there. I got there and I had nothing. I had a handgun and that was it, left yeah. over. See, Co-Veronica is now the only like mainline sort of resi that I've not played. And the reason why oh, I haven't really? played it is because Jesse has warned me off it. Because <laughs> I'm on like a, like, uh, like a semi kind of like uh, playthrough at the moment. I did one, two and three kind of like around October and then I was waiting for four to come out and then I'll do four, five, six, seven and eight. Um, but Jesse's like, don't do not do Code Veronica because like in the, its original version, like there's so much shit that can go wrong then you can yeah. completely fuck yourself over. There is, but also I would say I played it recently and like I'm, I'm just an adult now and I manage my resources better <laughs> and stuff. And also it is, it is like, it is good. I think you should play it. I ignore Jesse's favorite Resident Evil games, like the Outbreak game. So don't <laughs> don't listen to what he's got to say. Like I I I think check it out. Like there so was that was a your installment like, of the uh, IGN Resident Evil podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was like an HD version a few years ago for mm-hmm. like. Well, PS4 it was in the stuff. sale, and I all, yeah. almost pulled the trigger on it, but I was like, uh, I'll speak to Jesse first. <laughs> Should have spoken I, to you, Dale. I, yeah, I say play it. Like also, four is coming out in March. What are they going to do after that? They're, like, 
You well, worry yeah. that they're just going to go to five, right? Well, <laughs> like, I, it's just like by the time you get to five, you're in like the proper HD era. It's like they, those yeah. don't need remaking. Like, there's questionable whether four needs remaking. It's such a perfect oh, course, game, yeah. but um, like I am <laughs> absolutely willing to replay four, even if it's just better graphics. I have yeah. no um, idea if they're willing to open the can of worms of trying to remake five as well. Like five isn't that bad. Five no, I don't. I don't mean about the quality, Dale. I mean no, there's the uh... racial <laughs> issues. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're also like take that that aside. There's also I would like the co-op stuff that they were really shoehorning at that point, mm-hmm. which I don't think is Resident Evil doesn't need co-op to me. Like it's not that sort of game. Um but six is you know that was a disaster as well that they I, could I, fix. I but. think they just need to um once once that full remake's out of the way, just figure out what Resident Evil is now and then we go forward from there. Yeah. Or just do Code Veronica, then yeah, have that yeah, little break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they should re- remake seven. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I replayed Seven over Christmas. It's fucking wicked. I, love I really game. like Seven. Yeah, yeah I love it's so seven. good. Um, anyway, right. Uh, we're running, we're running quite running low on time here, so we're gonna we're not gonna do an endless search this week. But what we are gonna do is jump straight into your feedback. But before we do that, I do want to say if you've got any games that you think deserve to be remade but also you know we want to know why as well not not just i like this game i want to see it remade what can they do differently what can change let us know at ign underscore ufa feedback at ign.com and uh excited to see what, what you guys think um matt jones you're up first with feedback hello ign uk crew this one's from matthew wiley i hope that's the matthews. correct <laughs> that's also the correct spelling of matthew with uh, only one t any Ooh. other spellings of matthew will be voided um, <laughs> all right <laughs> uh in regards to the recent piece of feedback talking about shows that got cancelled too soon there's two for me that still hurt the first is hannibal which was simply incredible tv season two in particular since it was unceremoniously ended on a literal cliffhanger seven to eight years ago i'm presuming they're like on a cliff edge yeah right? yeah they they are there's, there's two <laughs> characters that pretty much fall off a cliff pretty funny uh, fans have been wanting any network to pick it up so that it gets properly concluded i'd be fine with a two-hour film but it just doesn't look likely to happen uh, you think that uh mads mcclossen you think he's too uh famous now to go back and do you, it you, you can never say never right they bring some things back like in a mm-hmm. mad amount of time later, i also so. i'm fairly sure that so i adore hannibal and i don't know why i didn't think of this the last time i think actually I wasn't as bummed out by the end of it. Like, I kind of take it as, you know, sometimes, like, films just do end on uncertainty for their characters. I was like, okay, if that's what we're going to get, that's what we're going to get. Um, but I'm fairly sure literally everybody on the Hannibal cast has already voiced the fact that if they could come back, they would. Mm. Like, oh. that cast loves that show. Doesn't always go well, though, does it? Like, Arrested Development, is it good? Well, the thing is, is if, if they came back, like, as... You know, Hannibal is not a perfect retelling of the original books. It changes quite a lot of things up, but the next thing would be kind of a remake. Come to think of it, so 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 the final season of Hannibal is a mix of the books Hannibal and Red Dragon. Mm -hmm. So it finishes as Red Dragon finishes. So if they'd have done a new season, a season four, it would have naturally gone into Silence of the Lambs. That's pretty cool. Uh, the other cancellation that really hurt was Swamp Thing in 2019. Anybody watch Swamp Thing? I have not. No. 
No. Uh, recently uh, released initially on DC Universe streaming service, it was a mixture of body horror and a crime mystery story that was incredibly captivating. The acting was great, the horror events were fantastic, and captured the tone of the comics perfectly. Unfortunately, creative dis- differences between DC and the showrunners led to its cancellation, which was also on a cliffhanger. <laughs> if anyone wants to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime in the UK, and I would still recommend it. Also recommend the other DC Universe shows, such as Harley Quinn, which I watch and is very good. Uh, that's a recommendation for Harley Quinn there. And Doom Patrol, which I've seen a couple clips of and looks ridiculous. Um, and it's described by Matthew in this uh, email as, Oh, wait, I'm checking the end of this, Dale. Matthew's spelled with two Ts. I'm sorry, Matthew, your name's spelled with one T now. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm just not being pasted, mate. Like, either he got it wrong or I got it wrong. Matthew, learn <laughs> how to spell me. your own name, mate. <laughs> uh, anyway, stay safe and respect to see Matthew. Mm, nice. I also am another one. I I really like the Harley Quinn. I've not watched this season of it, but I think the first two seasons of Harley Quinn are fucking great. Yeah, they're, they're very funny. I can't I can't think of any shows that have been cancelled that I like. I remember I was watching. Do you remember Flash Forward? No, but I do remember. <laughs> I've never watched it, but I can remember yeah. what it was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was around that period where they were releasing loads of shows and saying this is the new Lost. Yeah. Right? They were mm-hmm. doing that quite a lot, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. But I was a bit annoyed that I didn't get to see what what it was all about, you know. But it got cancelled after like one season, I think. Uh, but yeah, really, I, I, there was a show called Daybreak, I think it was, that was sort of like uh, a Groundhog Day mystery where the guy lived the same day over and over, but he could change little things about it by like repairing relationships. So the episode would start with him waking up in the morning and he has a gunshot wound and he needs to tend to that and uh, he needed to like make a phone call to make sure that somebody's uh, in the right place at the right time. Um, but then there was an episode where he just decides to totally run away from his problems and just end up in a house somewhere. All of this stuff would just keep up on repeating. I'm like, imagine if we got five seasons of just the same day happening over and over. Ooh. I'd love that. It got cancelled after one. It'd get tough, like my name is Earl Star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're running out of things to have on it on his list now. Um, yeah, um, like let, write in, let us know if you've got any shows that you are, you'd love to see renewed or got cancelled unceremoniously. Uh, Matt, you've got the next one. Yeah, this one is from Alex, which. Uh... Uh, Dale, I noticed you think his name is Alex B. Bravo from his email <laughs> that address. It, that was his email address. He just signed off with Alex. But let's call him Alex B. Bravo. <laughs> okay. Dear IGN UK crew, greetings all. In the most recent episode, a listener wrote in saying something like that they were 50 hours into Elden Ring, they're now level 95, and they're just entering the capital. I've currently got 181 hours in the game, I'm level 92, and I've just got to the Altus Plateau. Uh, what's going on? Can one of you venture an explanation for this madness-inducing disparity? Have any of you experienced this in any other games? Like me, have have you also found yourself astounded, confused, and frankly shaken by how quickly others are completing a game compared to you? Are people missing two-thirds of some games? Or perhaps the reverse? Uh, how does this ethereal, time-dilating, concave lens look from the other side? Is there a world where howlongtobeat.com doesn't seem to doesn't seem like a num- random number generator apologies of course to that fine ziff davis product yeah i uh, i run the twitter account for that and all of the comments are sometimes like how how is anybody doing this? <laughs> uh i've deliberately withheld some clues into the answer to my rather extreme elden ring example for exciting shock factor i know that one major factor will be that i've played a lot of the game in co-op 
which you'll know slows down the pace considerably. However, trust me, I've been confronted by the cosmic horror of this unbalanced equation with many a game, so there's something larger here at stake. It's something characteristic to my playstyle. Also, to head you off on another avenue, I've played Dark Souls 1, 2, 3 on New Game Plus, etc. I'm at least somewhat above average in these games. That's not the reason, I swear. <laughs> anyway, love the show. Love the live show before Christmas. Thanks so much for hosting that. I managed to speak to most of you, and it was great to meet the real-life 3D versions of you all. And it turns Aww. out the rumours were true. I'm not the only person who listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that was true <laughs> as well. Wishing you all well and paying intense homage to the sea at all times. From Alex. Mm. Thanks, uh, Alex. So what I will say is that I am fairly sure that Cardi finished Elden Ring in about 44 hours. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I thought you were going to say 45 minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, it's just I mean, a skilled ultra-hyper uh, gamer. I can think of in our office like a comparison point between three people, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I think of Jesse, then me, then you, Matt, in terms of just like insane speeds. Right. Like what was, There was a game recently where Jesse played it and he took it was callisto he done it it immediately and he did it in like four hours and i was like eight to ten or something i think matt maybe you were a little bit longer or maybe around the same yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. but i was like i was like how was that even possible like on your first playthrough were you just legging it the entire time yeah um obviously skill comes down to it sometimes um another one i think of is assassin's creed valhalla do you remember, like, because I got the platy in that, and mm-hmm. I think like it took me about a hundred hours. And then Matt, you were like, "Oh, I'm like hundred and fifty, and haven't even." Yeah, yeah, I'm close, nowhere near yeah. the 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 platinum on on a set. And you know, admittedly, I've not gone back to Valhalla. It's been one of those yeah. that I had installed for so long because it was like, "I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to go back to this." I finished the game. I just haven't done all of the platinum stuff. But I think I am, you know, like, so my Elden Ring, um, I think I was 121 hours to completion compared to Cardi's 44. um, And now have about 200 hours in Elden Ring. Um, I quite like pottering about these worlds. Like, for example, kind of like my, I've just over kind of like, um, over the Christmas kind of period, I replayed all the Dishonored games um, because I'm, you know, a a facsimile of my (laughs) caricature. Um, but in one level, I spent four and a half hours in a single level of Dishonored. Jesus. Just because like, I really like poking around and find, and like testing things and trying to make mechanics do like different things and stuff like that. So yeah. I will, particularly open worlds, spend a lot of time just trying to figure out like what are the things hidden? Are the, what happens if I follow these characters around? What happened? Like mm. are the like elements of the world that changes and if i come here like you know some games have different seasons right so it's like if i come back here when it's more wintry is it different than it is summer like all of that sort of stuff fascinates me whereas i know for example on the elden ring run cardi did the main path of bosses and then finished it whereas my aim for any kind of from software game is to do literally every boss every area and in elden ring I did every single dungeon and catacomb. Like, there's not a thing I haven't done in Elden Ring now. I also think of when you mentioned Cardi. I think of when he played Breath of the Wild. He didn't. He never even got the Master Sword, and he just went straight to the final boss. Sorry, why did the final boss without having a sword that won't break? Yeah, he did. He did it without the Master Sword, and I always think that is like the even like that is only the only Zelda game I've ever finished completion. Mm -hmm. But I did as much as like. I could on yeah. that game. I took my time. It's also like but, I, I wouldn't want to finish that game without the shield and the master sword. It's like it's the iconography of Link, right? You want those two items. You <laughs> couldn't be asked to go roaming through the forest trying to find it. Um, I also think Matt. Sometimes with you, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're like perhaps way more respectful 
for the stories than sometimes like, I, am. <laughs> I, I, I am quite um, like you know there, there's a reason why my new column on IGN is called single player it's like that's where my love is and my love comes from both the mechanics and the narrative and quite often the overlapping elements that that causes yeah. Um, so yeah kind of like you know I'm I'm playing through The Witcher at the moment and I'm kind of like uh, 30 hours into that at the moment um, and like there's not a single thing that I've skipped like every yeah. character I will listen to what they've got to say and and all of so, that. So I'm either all in or all out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, I quickly decide within a couple of hours, like, do I give a shit about this story? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of Assassin's Creed games are a great example. I love playing those games. I have a great time playing them. But I almost never care, especially about the side plots sure? and stuff. And I end up like, nope, skip, skip, skip. I just want to do the action side of things. Yeah, that, that kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> like the idea of kind of like disrespecting the art doesn't work yeah. for me. <laughs> hey, sometimes if I'm all in, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Like Bioshock games, for example, I sit there through everything. I listen to all, I stay still and listen to the tapes yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I just make a decision quickly yeah. whether I li- whether it's for me or not. I find like moments and systems in games that I get completely obsessed with and mm-hmm. I just like stick on them for ages. Yeah. I remember when um, I was playing Yakuza 7, I did the can collecting game just over and over. <laughs> like I just loved it and it's not like great, <laughs> but for yeah. some reason it just like stuck in my head. I did the like the business management sim in a single sitting and stayed up until 4am just like <laughs> grinding out new like business ventures. Um, like some things like that will really like stick with me and it artificially inflates my playtime yeah you're you're the sort of person that played the crap rts in final fantasy 7 for ages aren't you i probably would yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh what is yeah i want to say as well the new yakuza that's coming out um ishin remake is having this like farming simulator bit in it as well where you can like chop onions and like you know run a run a farm and i'm like i don't think i'm gonna do the rest of the game i'm just gonna be a farmer Uh, Right, final email. This is from uh, Alan Bowman. He says, Hi, iGen people. You started 2023 by asking us what we had for breakfast. Did we? I don't remember doing that. We did, yeah. I know you were were joking, but it reminded me of something. When I was a kid, my little sister had really mad breakfasts. Every Saturday morning, we'd get up to watch SMTV Live. Those were the days. And I'd have something a normal person would. Maybe some toast, cereal, or if I was feeling exotic, a stack of pancakes. My sister would have kebab meat <laughs> for breakfast. Uh. Not even not even kebab meat that you get from a takeaway. I mean the kind that Asda used to sell. I think we've seen sense and stop selling. I think they've seen sense and stop selling it now, but they used to sell packets of microwavable kebab meat. Can you think of anything more rank? That is pretty grim as it's well. Because good- like have you ever seen like kebab meat? like being left out and go cold sure, and you yeah. get that sort of layer of fat and congeal on it oh, oh don't really no <laughs> you're ruining um, the magic of kebabs Dale. <laughs> <laughs> she used to have pack a packet to start a, a packet to start her day jesus christ it's a good Some- protein boost i guess i'm thinking about it <laughs> sometimes a few crab sticks it didn't do her any harm but it makes me laugh every time i think about it uh, do you no, i've definitely Sorry. like eaten a kebab in the morning like, have you? Oh, yeah. like maybe like when you're a student and it reheated mm. from a night out or something. But yeah, not traditionally. I'm a cornflakes kind of guy. <laughs> um, so do you lot have any weird breakfast foods that you used to eat or still do? Who the fuck decided what's classified as a breakfast food anyway? Uh, I've listened to the podcast since the first one. God, I feel old. <laughs> Here's a shit joke to end my email. Why are British beaches so full of shit? Because the government didn't respect the sea. 
Hell yeah, comrade. <laughs> yeah, should we just ignore that joke and then go back to the question of the weird breakfast foods? Um, and by the way, it says who decided what's class of breakfast food. Isn't it just stuff like like plainer, like inoffensive food for the morning because you've just woken up and you maybe don't want something? I think that's it, yeah. And assault on the senses. Flavor. Immediately dousing everything in chili oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what about you guys? Anything weird for breakfasts? I had some no. ginger nuts this morning. That was nice. Ginger nuts. Yeah. Ginger nuts. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I'm really boring. It's just a bowl of cereal. Or yeah. if I'm on holiday or it's a weekend, I might have a fried breakfast, English breakfast, and that's about it, really. Mm. Yeah. Rock and roll let's, way let's, to end the, the Let's podcast. go have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Um, oh, um, we need music, don't we? What was uh, the music have- like? I was going to say, can I have Titanium, the, the song, because Megan sings it at one point. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's one of the highlights of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> titanium it is. Yeah. All right, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.